What's up, everybody? Welcome to Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster, as well as Superbook Sports. I'm your host, JJ Drez, with me, Arif Dean. We're doing a post-game here live from Ball Arena following the Avalanche's 4-3 loss to the Winnipeg Jets. In overtime. In overtime, of course. Um, so they still get the point, walk away with... I guess a little bit of positivity, but it definitely feels like a, a negative game, right? I think we walk away from this uh, on a sour note. Yeah, I mean, I look, it's it's simple as any time you lose a game, it's going to be a sour note. Even the Calgary game with everything, with all the odds stacked against them, it was a loss is still a loss. I mean, I guess it's fine that the Avalanche were able to garner a point out of this. And again, they were trailing three to one and two to nothing. But at the same time, they climbed back from that two to goal deficit in the second period. There was a lot of time to get a lead there. The third period didn't have much going on. I think the shots were 9-4, of four, I want to say, for the Avs, so not much there for either side. And in true Avalanche fashion, you get excited for 3-on-3 three three overtime. Some kind of a weird, I don't want to call it a turnover this time, but a play where McKinnon coughs up the puck or loses the puck along the boards, gets beat out in that battle. One shot the other way, game over, and it just sucks the life out of sucks the energy and the life out of a building that was excited to kind of lose its mind with a game-winning goal so um wouldn't be avalanche regular season over or regular season hockey without an overtime loss at three on three i'll say that yeah and same thing goes for jared bender calling it a slow start right and saying how he doesn't like it it was indeed a slow start but that seems to happen more often than not with this team i mean Sure, you can throw in the excuse of a, a 6 o'clock start was a little bit weird for everybody, but uh, both teams had to start at the same time. And so once again, we're dealing with slow starts, Arif. So, um, you know, another season of slow starts and, of course, a different group of guys. What, what, what gives? I, I can't answer that one just yet. Look, there's a conversation right now that we're going to have about the depth of this team and how much offensive firepower they have. But what really got me with that slow start in the first period was just how – easy it was not just offensively the avalanche had a slow start but how easy it was for the winnipeg jets to get set up beneath the hash marks in that area right in front of georgie right in front of georgiev passing the puck around and kind of getting those goals similar to the one that miko rantan scored twice the deja vu goal on you know that he had in the second period both times but it was very it was too easy for them and there's something there from the avalanche that's that was kind of missing there early but you can tell, just like last year, just like the 2021 season, as soon as they picked it up, they take complete control of a game. They scored three goals in that second period. They dominated. They had 14 shots. And even after they got the first one and the Jets made it 3-1, to one, it was a little bit of a lull. And then they turned it on and it kept going. Had that second period buzzer not sounded, if there was three or four more minutes of actual second period hockey to play, Colorado would have rode that momentum and kind of you know maybe added a fourth or fifth goal in that period even. So... They were too little too late, not just on starting late, but on mounting that comeback in the second period where they only had a few minutes of like strong hockey to play with before the buzzer sounded and, you know, pretty much ultimately killed that momentum. I mean, you really have six guys up and down the lineup that were doing anything productive tonight. I, I mean, we're going to get into that depth conversation right now because that's exactly kind of what felt was the issue tonight. Because, yeah, you, you had that top line out there, and it felt like a power play. Even during five-on-five, five, Miko Rantanen's first goal, you're like, I had to second-guess myself. I was, like, was, was that a power play? No. Nope, one, two, three, four, five Winnipeg Jets leaving the ice there, but it looked like a power play, so they were dominant. I mean, you look at the score sheet, guys with a point tonight, Bowen Byram, Devon Taves, Kale McCarr, Val Nachushkin, Nathan McKinnon, and Miko Ranton. Nobody else with a point. I mean, 
doesn't surprise you that those names are getting a point. What is surprising is that not another name with even much of an impact on the game whatsoever. So it's funny when you look at it that way. Like the Avalanche have depth guys that are good players. JT Comfer, Andrew Cogliano, Logan O'Connor. Like these are guys, Evan Rodriguez even. I know Alex Newhook, and I know those are the two guys we've brought up every podcast as two guys that have had a slow start. But those are players that when they are put in the position they should play in, in a role that they should be playing in, they're good players. So, like, let's use Josh Manson as an example. When you have a bad hockey team, like where Josh Manson was dealing with with the Anaheim Ducks, and he's playing up and down the lineup, it's like, oh, God, this team's got no firepower. Josh Manson's not doing anything. But then you bring him to the avalanche. You put him in a position where he's meant to succeed, and suddenly he's a gamer. Suddenly he's a guy that you love to watch. Suddenly he's a guy that's scoring a goal against Minnesota, you know, out there kind of playing the rough physical game and being a great two-way forward or two-way defenseman. That's ultimately what's happening to the Avalanche's forwards outside of the top four. So Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, Arturi Lekkinen, and Valerian Nichushkin. Outside of those top fours, those top four forwards, every other guy playing up front is kind of being put in positions where they shouldn't be in. JT Comfer is going second line, third line. Rodriguez, he's, he's up and down the lineup. Martin Kelt got an opportunity today in the top six. Invis, invisible. Like, I know Jared said it was okay, but, like, not much there. Newhook, you're still seeing nothing from him. There's just all these guys are kind of scattering up and down the lineup, which goes back to the fact that the Avalanche lost Andre Burakovsky, which was expected. They lost Nazem Kadri, which, you know, could have gone either way. And now Gabe Landeskog's out for three months, we heard today. He's going to be missing at least 12 weeks. So there's a lot of depth issues going on, and it's getting guys that should be playing their roles out of their roles, which is ruining their effectiveness as well. And it's leading to what we have now, where four forwards are running the show and not much else after that. Yeah, and I mean, you can't discount the fact that five guys, including the goalie, so four forwards and the goalie are new on the lineup, right? And and this is only their third game. So, you know, you look at Rodriguez, Megna, Bleed, and Fourth Cow. game. Fourth game. Uh, yeah. The season's flying, man. It really is. Uh, but, yeah, you you look at those names, and they're still trying to find a fit, and they're still kind of trying to, to work out some chemistry issues there. So I think, yeah, I think it's something that isn't exactly a, a panic point just yet, but something to definitely continue to work on. I mean, we talked to Bo and Byram afterwards, and it was interesting to me how he says there's – a lot to work on he really emphasized how much they have to clean up so um, I think it's more of an issue of of just getting comfortable getting more familiar with each other and just growing pains here. yeah for sure I mean look in the end this is a team that started four five and one last season and then went on to have the regular season they did and go 16 and four in the playoffs uh, the fact of the matter is that's probably going to happen again look they're two one and one right now they're not you know four five and one maybe they're four five and one maybe they're not but in the end, this team is going to win probably 50-plus games, at least 48 games. They're going to have an exceptional regular season. They're going to be one of the higher seeds in the playoffs. Unless something completely crashes and burns, that's what's going to happen. But right now, as we've been saying for the last couple of weeks, all we have to base, it, to base what we talk about off of is the last four games. And here, at, as you know, post-game against the Winnipeg Jets, we're still at Ball Arena. That's the game we have to talk about. So it's about what we saw there. And kind of going back to that note about the forwards... We're four games into the season. The Avalanche have 17 goals. Pretty damn good, if you ask me. 17 goals in four games. This team's not lost a step in terms of its offensive firepower, despite losing all those guys and Landeskog not playing. But of those 17 goals, 12 of them have come from McKinnon, Rantanen, Lekkinen, and Valerian Nichushkin, who, by the way, has scored in every goddamn game. 
gotta love Nichushkin's game. But those four forwards, I'm not just talking about forward goals. I'm talking full team, including the blue line, because I don't think Kale McCarr's got a goal yet. Those four guys have 12 of the 17 goals the Avalanche have scored this season. 70% that accounts for. Pretty crazy. That is wild. Um, I guess another thing positive that went down today for the Avalanche, another power play goal. Another game, another power play goal. What are you going to say? One chance, one opportunity, one goal. They were one for one on the PP, and it, you know, alternatively, they also were pretty shitty on the PK again. It's 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 wild to look at the stats. Like, entering this game, the Avalanche were 6 for 12 on the PP, 6 for 12 on the PK. First place in the NHL on the PP, 50%. Last place in the NHL on the PK, <laughs> also 50%. Well, they went one for one. So in four games, this team has operated at a, per, per, I don't know the percentage, but at a pace where they've scored seven of 13 power play opportunities. Given the fact that they went one for two on the PK, they're still at 50%. Yeah, just above it. So I don't know. Good Looks to like see. what? 53.8% on the power play. It. Yeah, 54. It's pretty, pretty incredible. Indeed, indeed. And uh, I mean... Again, even when that top line's out there on five on five, they look like a power play. So when they actually are given a power play, it's it's almost it's game unfair. Over. It's, I yeah. mean, it's it's crazy, and I know he's gonna be on. He's gonna be out for a while now, three months. But like, and by the time Landis God comes back, somebody's gonna be injured. Probably there'll be some shuffling up and down the lineup. Maybe they've made a trade by then or a waiver wire pickup. Who the fuck knows? Fact but. of the matter is, but <laughs> if Landis God was being inserted into the lineup today. How the hell do you take either of Nachushkin or Lekkinen off that top unit? Like, it's so crazy how good. I know I talked about it over the weekend, how good both those guys have looked. I know Lekkinen's kind of slowed down with the offensive numbers, but he still retrieves pucks like a hound. He's still a puck hound. He's still crazy on the forecheck, playing that mini-val role. And, I mean, what else could be said about Valerian Nachushkin? It was the running joke last year that I always talk about him. Well, this $49 million man making $6.125 million per season is on a bargain of a contract with five goals in four games, a goal in every game, and just relentless in every shift. Well, with Rodriguez and Newhook on PP2, I mean, they didn't get a chance to hit the ice tonight, but just what those two have done on 5v5, I mean, I'm sure they could use the help of a guy like Val Nichushkin on PP2, which yeah. either guy you want to take out. I, they, they need something there. Nichushkin, Lekkinen, even Landeskog, mm -hmm. hell, a waiver wire pickup, like, there are so many different things that could help the Avalanche right now, but it's going to be about weathering that storm. It's going to be about, like, you know, we've been talking about making sure that you can get to the point where by the time you have Landeskog back, by the time you're hoping Newhook and Rodriguez have found their legs or you've made another acquisition or something's happened, by the time that happens, you haven't overplayed those top four forwards and you haven't played them into the ground in a season where you're coming off a Stanley Cup championship run and hoping to make another one. Um, Alexander Gorgiev's game, nothing amazing, 24 saves, 28 shots, um, and like you pointed out, another power play goal against, but otherwise, how do you think of hit, how do you think he did tonight, and uh, I mean, it still seems like a, they're looking for the answer on if this guy is a starting goalie, and the only way to really figure that out is to keep giving him games, but still seems like it's an unanswered question. Yeah, it's a little bit of an unanswered question still right now. I think that uh, he's definitely had he definitely had a pretty good game. I mean, look, those power play goals that he surrendered were were not his were not his fault really. Um, he or I should say the one power play goal he surrendered was not his fault really. But on the 
overtime winner, I don't know how I feel about it. I'm not a hockey guy, but I don't like seeing clean shots going like that. But it was also a, an, an undefended player that, you know, kind of shot up the wing like that. You can tell Georgie was being aggressive coming way out of the crease to kind of cut that angle down. Look at me talking goalie speak. Look at you go. Look at that. So he was trying to cut that angle down, but it didn't, you know, Pionk just wired it, you know, with a mm -hmm. bomb into the back of the net. And, and ultimately it was the game winner. But what I'm seeing from Georgie is – he had some pretty good saves there. There was one in the second period, a spectacular save that he made. Uh, but what I'm seeing from him, different from what I saw this time last year from Darcy Kemper, who was in the same position trying to find his legs with a new team, is he's making the nice saves like Kemper was, but he's not letting in the bad goals. He's letting in the 50-50 goals where you're like, eh, you kind of want your starting goalie to let those. But, but Kemper in the beginning of last season, if you remember, there was a lot of plays. He's ending up on his ass. He's ending up flailing in the crease and just kind of like making the nice saves but giving up the brutal goals. And you're kind of like waiting for him to find that chemistry and find that rhythm, I should say. So it's similar with Georgie, except he's not really letting in a ton of bad goals. It's just you want to see more. And obviously the best way to do that, like you said, is to play him every other night here. They have another game Friday, and then they're on the road Saturday. I would sense the Avalanche would probably, if, if it were up to me, you go with Frankie at home Friday, let him play against Grubauer and the Kraken, and then send Georgie on the road to the Vegas Golden Knights in the second of a back-to-back -back and see what he's got against that team because they've got some offense too. Yeah, I mean, Georgiev let in his first 5v5 goal tonight. I think that's there's something to be said for that, right? I mean, you say it all the time. 5v5 is what you got to do in the playoffs. So yeah. I think if there's one thing we can really, uh, I guess, be encouraged about with his game is, is that fact right there. When his team's full strength and the other team is as well, he's almost unbeatable. Yeah, today he let in goals at 3-on-3, three 4-on-4, three, 5-on-5, four five five, and 4-on-5. <laughs> so he's kind of catching them all. The only thing he was missing was like a 6-on-3 empty net or some crazy-ass thing like that. So, um, you know, again, overall – not a bad game. He's making some nice saves. There are some flashes of brilliance. You can see there's something there. You can see if you play this guy six of the next, seven of the next ten games maybe, you'll start to see him kind of get into a rhythm. It might happen quicker than what you saw with, with Kemper. And, hey, in the end, he's 2-0-1, um, but he's also surrendered nine goals, and you kind of want to see that number drop down a bit. I tweeted it out for what, for those listeners who may have missed it. Uh, awesome moment I saw in the locker room between Georgiev and Francis. Francis is really encouraging him, picking his head up. You know, Georgiev was almost sitting there at his locker waiting for all the media to come to yeah. him, and nobody really did. And he's he kind of seemed okay with that, obviously. But yeah, just a little bit down he seemed. Right, he just slow to get undressed, and then Frankie comes over and just says, "Come on, man." You got I don't know what he said because it was in Russian. Yeah, but just gave him I some love, words of encouragement. I love that those guys have that Russian thing because because Frankie obviously speaks multiple languages. Um, kind of going back onto that, like for starters, seeing Frankie play on Friday would be awesome because if you remember from opening night, I know you you probably watched it at home, but those pregame intros, man, nobody got the post name being announced chant that Frankie got. If right. you remember back in the playoffs, the Frankie Frankie chance, they love that guy here. I want to see him play at home. And for Georgie, the Avalanche are six nights away next Tuesday from going into New York at Madison Square Garden where he's likely going to go up against either Igor Shesterkin or Yaroslav Halak, their backup. Regardless, he's going up against his former team. He's going to be fired up for that game. So it's Friday, Saturday, Tuesday. Those are the next three games. I expect Georgie's going to play two of them plus that Rangers one. So some pr pretty big tests here coming up for him. 
Yeah, I mean, you and I always comment on that fire in his belly, right? Well, I, that's what I think makes him such a great match for the Avalanche because so many guys on this team have that same fire. And, you know, just being in that <laughs> locker room after today's loss, you, you just felt the we got to get back to work and keep getting better mindset. And no real negativity in there, just more, you know, let's let's rally the troops and, and get back to work. So I love that vibe out of all the guys. And, you know, you hear it from Byram. You, you sense it from McKinnon. You just have that fire and that need to win i don't even want to call it a will it's a need to win yeah for sure and and uh you know that's the kind of uh energy you want to see from your starting goalie that's what you want to see from a guy that is ultimately going to play most of your games and someone that you want to see kind of get into a groove so um moral of the story this conversation about georgie is still to be determined uh similar to the avalanche's depth similar to kind of waiting on on new hook and rodriguez mm -hmm. not that georgie's at that level like georgie has already done a lot more and is already well he's he's progressing more than what you want to see from someone like new hook but there's still saying. more there. developing stories that we're going to keep com having conversations exactly. about yeah, yeah. The, the new starting goalie the new second line center the new depth forward these are stories that you want to see um it was also interesting to me that the avalanche decided to sit Ben Myers tonight. So, you know, Sedlak obviously was put on waivers, claimed by the Philadelphia Flyers. He used to play for coach John Tortorella, so he's off to Philly. Uh, Jared Bednar didn't seem too happy, happy about that after the game. Curtis McDermott, healthy scratch, which is expected when you call a bleed and, and Cow and Megna and all that. But Ben Myers already sitting in the fourth game. That's something to take a look at because this was the big free agent signing, college free agent signing, I should say, last spring that a lot of teams were kind of targeting and going after. And he scored last game against Minnesota and then sat in this one. So just an interesting case there. I don't know exactly what it is that the Avalanche are are hoping for Ben Myers to, to, to bring to the table so that he can get more minutes. He hasn't played a lot of minutes in his three games. So that's another developing story to keep an eye on is what's going on here with Ben Myers. Indeed, indeed. Uh, let's take a quick pause for our friends over at Total Beverage. Guys, everybody knows Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits. But did you know they deliver? Did you know they have curbside pickup available? And did you know they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th and Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need, and more. Um, next thing I wanted to get to is we saw after the game Devon Taves and Evan Rodriguez being carted to the x-ray room. Obviously no update on those guys yet. Um, but I, So I, really quick on that, if you heard when I asked Jared Bednar post-game, somebody asked him if there was an update on Taves and he said I don't have anything yet and I said did Evan Rodriguez also go into the he extra said he room? didn't know he said he said not that I know of so right. but um, we saw him go in there we saw so. him get carted there I don't know if he was getting x-rays or maybe he was off to some I don't know but the fact of the matter is both those guys were on that cart when we were walking from the locker room back to the media room to talk to Jared Bednar they were both in there so, I can confirm yeah. so that's that's that was just interesting when Jared said that so, so something's going on there with both of those guys right uh, the conversation I wanted to have with that though honestly was Bo Byram because with Devon Taves missing some time there during the game we saw Bo Byram step in and, and playing some shifts with Kale McCarr Bo Byram ends up the ends the game with an assist um, but I just I wish Kale McCarr Bo Byram could be a pairing we could see every day I know Devon Taves is, is a guy you want to have next to Kale McCarr and 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 that looks great but the way those two play together and just having giving Byram the opportunity in the minutes I mean he flourishes in them so I just loved seeing those two together tonight 
again, it's the, the riches of this team's blue line. And, and as much as you wish that this or you wish that that, all it does is say, hey, if something were to happen, like Devontae's is getting x-rays. If something were to happen where Devontae's is out, well, you don't feel as terrible about the fact that plug and play, Byron playing with uh, Makar and then Gerard playing with Manson. Oh, look, your top four still looks fantastic. And then Eric Johnson's playing with whoever the hell. It's so weird to me that they didn't get Jack Johnson to re-sign. That would have been just an easy number seven defenseman. But, uh, you know, that's that's the beauty of this blue line is, look, they were pretty damn healthy. We talked about it all year. They were pretty damn healthy in the playoffs last year. Sam Gerard went out in game three of the second round. Jack Johnson came in, and that's it. They used seven defensemen. Looking back at the trade deadline last year, all I was hammering and harping on the entire time, and you know they went out and traded for Josh Manson, which was nice, is you need to have 10, 11, 12 NHL-capable defensemen. There was that one offseason or that one trade deadline with the Tampa Bay Lightning. They had signed Kevin Shattenkirk early in the year, and then they went out and traded for Luke Shen and Zach Bogosian at the deadline and kind of stocked up on all these NHL-capable defensemen. I'm not saying top-line guys, but guys that can play minutes and needing them for the playoffs because you do. You do need guys when, when injuries happen. The Avalanche had one. Ryan Murray didn't get into a game, and it ended up just being Jack Johnson. So here we are in the regular season again. Despite all of what happened in the playoffs and the good fortunes they had, injuries do happen. Kel McCart doesn't play 82 games. Devontae's last year didn't play 82 games. Bowen Byram, we know the issues that he had. Josh Manson, who the fuck knows? This is his first year in Denver, but I know he wasn't a regular 82-game guy either. So you're going to need those guys, and it's good that the Avalanche have three ultimately top-line defensemen to pick from there. Yeah, I mean, de defensemen have never been a problem, at least not, not in recent times, and they still aren't going to be. I mean, you look up and down the score sheet, look how many – uh, defenseman contributing point-wise. So, again, we'll see how those two develop. Um, other than that, last thing I really wanted to touch on, and here's a quick little quiz for you, Arif. Bring it. Who won in face-offs tonight? Who had the best face-off percentage for the Avalanche? I know JT Comfer at one point was like 7-2, and two, I want to say. Um, I mean, honestly, it was a pretty good night up and down – all centers that took a draw. I know there was at one point Megna and Comfort both had more faceoffs than McKinnon, even though his ice time was like double Comfort's and like quadruple Megna's. Uh, but let's go with JT. You almost had it there. Megna ended up with seven wins on 10 draws. Um, and what was JT at? JT Comfort ended up at seven wins on 12 draws. So Well, you never know. If Megna took two more, he probably would have lost. I'm I don't know, kidding. man. If you look at the <laughs> first period. Percentage-wise, yeah. Percentage-wise, he was. Looking he was at the great. first period, he had five faceoffs and won all five. Yeah, I had no I mean, idea we had such a good faceoff guy you know in Jason what? Megna. That may that may answer my question of why not Ben Myers is because you know you have Nathan McKinnon who you know struggles with faceoffs pretty often. Alex Newhook, what's his percentage today? I know it was pretty bad. Newhook? Yeah. Give me a second. Six or, more than six or seven or eight or nine minutes, uh, at least Jason Megna can win us a faceoff when we need it. So maybe that's the difference right there. Evan Rodriguez did take three draws as well. He won, won two, two of them, but they were all in the first period, strangely. Yep. Didn't yeah, take so another draw after that. Interesting. Um, yeah, that's th those are the news and notes from, from me on this game. Anything else you want to add from tonight's loss? No, that's pretty much it. It's pretty nice here to do a post-game podcast live from Ball Arena without our boy. 
Leaf blower guy. Leaf blower guy. He's I don't know where he is. I Well, there's no pom-poms. Remember, he was blowing pom-poms. Nah, that's true. Maybe he's maybe tonight's his night with the Stanley Cup or something. Where is this guy? <laughs> they don't call him until the playoffs. But, yeah, look at us. It's it's before 10. Our podcast's already done. You're 939. Our, your post-game story's almost done. What a night. I, I, I guess... Now is where you really enjoy those 6 p.m. starts. Earlier, it was it was tough. The traffic was the terrible. The traffic was brutal. The crowd was late, and apparently the Avalanche were too. Yeah, so. I think I think half the Avs were also stuck on on in traffic there, <laughs> trying to head into the arena. Um, so yeah, we'll s- hope for a much better result on Friday, and uh, yeah, first night of a back to back there. So big weekend ahead, and still more questions to be answered, and still more work to be done from Colorado. So um, that'll do it for today's podcast. Eric, final thoughts. For the night. Uh, Friday should be exciting. Andre Burakovsky and the Seattle Kraken come into town. Uh, I sense there will likely be a ring ceremony for one number 95, Andre Burakovsky, who, if you remember, was one of the guys that scored a game-winning goal in overtime in the Stanley Cup Final in Game 1. So Berkey had one of the four game winners against Tampa Bay. Very well-earned Stanley Cup ring for him, coming out for him probably on Friday here. Unfortunately for him, his teammates and the fans are kind of already over all the sappy nonsense and <laughs> oh no 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 it's come drawn on. out at uh, this not point. yet dude you still <laughs> look i know i know kadri was one but Berkey's a big name this place loves darcy kemper's a big name this place loves and when you think everything's done and happy new year it's 2020 oh and abe kubel will be new year's eve and happy new year it's 2023 while in february or in march i forget which one it is you're gonna see the other guy that i'm who am i missing i'm missing a name Nico Sturm is like way, way out in like later on in the year. And it's going to be like, oh, we still have more of these to do. So quite a few of them coming. Berkey's just number two of like five. I guess you might as well knock as many as you can out early. <laughs> but uh, that'll do it from us for, uh, for us. From for us, us from Ball Arena. We're, we're falling apart. Oh, my goodness. Time to wrap but up. This time we got to we got to bless people's hearts. Yeah, this absolutely. If you uh, made it this far in our postgame podcast, bless that little heart of yours. Let's make hockey for everyone. We got you.